We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Lakers Nation, welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. A little bit of an extra edition of the LakersNation.com podcast. And next month, we'll be back to five days a week. The season will be starting up, preseason training camp, all that kind of stuff. And we'll be doing our show five days a week. But on Fun Friday, if you watch that show, you notice that we actually ran out of time to get through all of our super chats. So I said that we would do another show in order to finish some of them up. I am going to do that at the end today, but I've also got some thoughts on the Lakers, the current roster construction, the trade front that I've been really itching to dive into some things that I've been, been looking at this weekend. It's got me a little bit more optimistic for it. One specific trade that the Lakers could have on the table. Plus I want to talk a little bit about the current situation. If the status quo remains, if the team just stays with the roster as is, a concern that I've got beyond just what we've already been talking about in terms of Russell Westbrook being on the team and the three-point shooting. But before I dive into all of that, quick request, guys, make sure you go follow the LakersNation.com podcast over on Apple Podcasts. Helps with the rankings and everything like that there. You can give us that five-star rating and review as well. We certainly would appreciate it. All right, so let's dive into it. There was a little news story that came out. Sean Devaney of uh, Heavy.com had this talk to a league executive and this juicy quote came out of the executive said the two Lakers picks are the most powerful thing as far as picks go in the league right now. Now that's an anonymous exec. And before we get into it, because that look, let's face it, that's music to Lakers fans ears, right? That's exactly what you want to hear that the Lakers picks have tons of value and teams should be tripping over themselves in order to get them. Remember that is one executive. There's lots of executives in the NBA. So can guarantee that not every executive feels that same way, but still good to hear that somebody out there feels this way. I can pretty certainly guarantee that the Pacers and the jazz execs from those sides would probably not be saying this. So probably not somebody from within those particular teams, but an executive saying that the Lakers picks are two of the most powerful things right now. And I think that's not just saying, Hey, these picks are incredibly valuable. It's, based on what's on the market right now, based on what's still out there, what draft assets are available to go get. Everybody knows the Lakers, their 2027 and 2029 first are out there. And who knows what the Lakers are going to look like by then? LeBron should be gone. I mean, I guess you never know, but most likely LeBron will be will be long gone by that point. Anthony Davis will be gone. 
Who knows what the Lakers will look like? And so teams are looking at those two assets as something that maybe you want to bet on, that those could be very valuable assets in the future if the Lakers aren't able to start a new generation by that point, if they're not able to get a new iteration of a Lakers championship contender, those two picks could be extremely valuable. So those things out there, this report from heavy.com is important, but I do want to talk about something else that was in this same article. And that's that this executive also mentioned that a deal with the jazz that would feature one first round pick and then three players coming in. And it's Boyan Bogdanovich, Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, essentially saying, look, three of those guys go in, the Lakers give up one first-round pick. Of course, Danny Ainge would want both first-round picks. Can the Lakers figure out a way to get things done? Well, first and foremost, that deal, we're just now getting to the point where that could be completed if you had a Malik Beasley or a Jared Vanderbilt in the deal. Remember, have to wait 60 days after a player is traded for that player to be re-aggregated in another deal. Didn't apply to Patrick Beverly because he was traded by himself. He wasn't attached to any other players. So if you were to put Malik Beasley, along with, I don't know, Jordan Clarkson and Jared Vanderbilt, ship that off to the Lakers in exchange for Russell Westbrook. You can't do that until 60 days have passed because Malik Beasley wouldn't be able to, and Jared Vanderbilt wouldn't be able to be combined with other players. So again, that's how they got around it. In the Patrick Beverly trade, didn't attach anything to him in terms of other players. Whereas in this situation, you'd be waiting the full 60 days. But regardless, the 60 days, it's passing, well, should be like right now. So the Lakers should be able to execute a trade like that with the Jazz. But I want to get into why these trades make so much sense for the Lakers, whether it's the Pacers deal with Heald and Turner, and I've got some thoughts on that, or the Jazz deal. And it has to do with the Lakers' current roster construction and what things look like. So as of right now, this is what I've got the Lakers' depth chart as. You want to quibble over a few of these, put somebody in a different spot, that's fine. There's plenty of time for that kind of discussion. But for the moment, the Lakers' depth chart, as I see it, you've got Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, Kendrick Nunn. Those are your three point guards. I've got them in that order. Yes, there's been talks about Patrick Beverly playing alongside Russell Westbrook. I don't think that's how you're going to start games. I don't think you're going to start games that small with a 6'4 and a 6'1 guard in your backcourt. Austin Reeves at shooting guard. All right, not that much bigger than Westbrook. He's 6'5, but still Patrick Beverly 6'1. So I've got Austin Reeves starting at the two, Lonnie Walker, and then, and then you've got Max Christie behind him. At small forward, LeBron, Troy Brown Jr., power forward, Anthony Davis, once Scott Anderson, Wendy Gabriel, at center, Thomas Bryant, and Damian Jones. Now, we've heard coming out of camp or out of practices that Thomas Bryant and Austin Reeves have been playing very, very well for the Lakers. Not a surprise. That's also part of why I've got them in as starters right now. It is good news when we're talking about Thomas Bryant. We are concerned about coming back from injury. Is he truly 100%? He says he is. Reports coming out of practices suggest that he was not lying, that he is indeed at 100% and looking really good. So that is great news. But when you look at this depth chart, there's a couple of things that stand out, and it goes beyond just the three-point shooting. Yes, that's absolutely a concern. Yes, that would be incentive to pull off a deal if it's for a Bojan Bogdanovic, if it's for Buddy Heald, uh, Malik Beasley, players like that that can help you out from behind the three-point line. Those guys could 100% help you with your floor spacing. Patrick Beverly. I believe, was also a move in that direction to add some floor spacing. He at least shoots reasonable from behind the arc where teams have to defend him out there. The Lakers don't have enough guys where you have to defend them out there. But beyond just the three-point shooting, you look at this roster as it's currently situated, and 
the thing that really stands out to me, and this is why I think the roster is screaming for a trade, it's the wings. It's the wing situation here. You might look at it and say, oh my gosh, well, they only have two centers. Uh, Anthony Davis can play center two in a pinch. When in Gabriel, if you really want to go small, heck, we even saw LeBron at the center position. So I'm not super worried on paper about the center spot right now for the Lakers. It's the wings. Think about this. Just, just do some math here, right? Troy Brown Jr., Juan Descano Anderson, Wenyan Gabriel. These are all veteran minimum players. So just doing some math. Let's say LeBron averages 33 minutes a night. And let's say Anthony Davis also averages 33 minutes a night. So between the small forward and the power forward position, 48 minutes in a game between the two positions, that's 96 total minutes that you have to fill at those two spots. And I would argue, along with maybe shooting guard, these are probably your two most important positions on the floor in the modern NBA. This is where you tend to find your bigger, your switchier players that are able to cover multiple positions, that are able to get out and close out on shooters and extend a long arm and contest at the three-point line, that are able to still battle in the paint and rebound. Wings, essentially, extremely important in today's NBA. And again, the Lakers have two of the very best in LeBron James and Anthony Davis but they can't be on the floor at all times. And if I'm the Lakers, we saw last season way too many situations where they were undersized, not necessarily at the five or the four. Yes, they played LeBron at the five a little bit, but even when they had Dwight at center, even when they had Anthony Davis at the four, they still were undersized at the three, at the two, sometimes even at the one, and that created problems for them. Heck, we saw moments where it was what? Wayne Ellington was the three for the Lakers nominally because they just didn't have these wing players. I still think there is a lack of wing depth here on this team that might require a trade in order to fix this. So again, doing the math between LeBron and AD, let's say LeBron and AD both play all of their minutes at small forward and power forward respectively. Well, great. There's 66 minutes eaten up uh, of that total of 96 minutes. So you only have to come up with 30 minutes between Wayne Gabriel, Troy Brown Jr., Juan Toscano Anderson. Doesn't sound like too big of an ask, right? But here's the problem. Anthony Davis, at the very least, with the roster as is, he's going to spend some time closing games at the center position. Might spend times in, say, the second quarter at the center position, depending on what works best. What if we're in a situation where Anthony Davis, even if he plays the vast majority of his minutes at the four, what if he plays 20 of the 33 minutes at the four, which is still the bulk of his minutes. That means 13 minutes that he's on the floor. Again, if we're aiming for 33 minutes, who knows, maybe he plays 35 in a game, but if you're aiming for 33 minutes and he plays 20 of those at the four and 13 at the five, well, then you're looking at 53 minutes that are taken up by LeBron and by Anthony Davis, assuming that LeBron would also take over some of those minutes at the four, uh, as well as the three, that are eaten up right now with quality play between LeBron and between Anthony Davis. Remember, you got to get to 96. So that's 33 minutes out there that you would then need to fill between Troy Brown Jr., Juan Toscano Anderson, maybe Wenyan Gabriel. And that's where there's some question marks here. Is Wenyan Gabriel even a four? I don't think he's a three. Is he just a small ball five on this roster? If he's not somebody where you say he can definitely defend fours and maybe defend threes, hey, I won't put it past him. I like Wenyan Gabriel a lot, but I don't know if I want to head into the season counting on Wenyan Gabriel to defend threes. So then what are we talking about? Then you're looking at Juan Toscano Anderson and Troy Brown Jr. Again, both of these guys are on veteran minimum deals. How sure are we that both of them are going to hit and both of them are going to be capable 
of playing solid minutes on this team. I look, I've got I've got optimism for both of them, but it's the offseason. It's September. Everybody is zero for zero right now. Everybody is optimistic about their rosters. Let's face it, we were optimistic about the Lakers roster last summer, despite the lack of wings. I don't want to make that same mistake again. If one of those guys doesn't hit, if one of those guys isn't working out, well, then you're in trouble, aren't you? If just one of those guys, let's say there's an injury, look, Trevor Ariza got injured last season. What if there's an injury? Then what are you looking at? You're talking about Juan Toscano Anderson or Troy Brown Jr. having to eat up the entire 33 minutes on a veteran minimum contract. Maybe they can do that, but I think it's foolish to go into the season assuming that's going to be the case. Speaking of which, I know some of you are probably screaming right now. Well, that's okay. We'll just put in Cole Swider. Uh-uh. Also foolish to assume going into a season that a guy on a two-way contract is going to come in and get major minutes at the NBA level. You are much better off. It is sm- far smarter to go into the season assuming he's going to play zero minutes. And then if he proves himself capable of, and don't get me wrong, look, I love the amazing Swider man. Look great at Summer League. But until he proves that he's capable of doing that, you want to assume that you're getting zero minutes. Make it a pleasant surprise. Make it a great problem to have that you now have more guys than you expected that could play on the floor than try to depend on a guy that's on a two-way contract to come in and plug in serious minutes on the wing for you. Same thing goes to Scottie Pippen Jr. Same thing, even though he's got a full roster spot, applies to Max Christie as well. I'm not counting on him for any minutes at the two for the Lakers. Now, the guard position, I'm not worried about because you've got Westbrook, Beverly, Nunn, Reeves, Walker. You've got plenty of guys who can man multiple positions there. But again, on the wing, the Lakers could very quickly look a bit thin. Now, they do have an open roster spot right now. Actually, they have two. Even if they go into the season with the idea that they're not going to use their their 15th roster spot, a move is coming. A move has to come. Even if the Lakers don't make a trade, let's say the Jazz trade, the Pacers trade, all that falls apart, something's going to happen between now and the start of the regular season. It could just be promoting a player from the G League team. It could be promoting Cole Swider to a full roster spot for all we know. But a roster spot is open, a full spot. The 14th roster spot is open, and somebody is going to get that. So maybe you could help out here with that by adding a player there that maybe could eat up some minutes. This, though, is part of why I was concerned about the Lakers giving up Stanley Johnson in the Patrick Beverly trade. It's because it makes you a little bit more thin on the wing. They could get by as is, but they have to have a lot of things right. And after last season, I'm a little gun-shy about that. I'm a little uncertain about going into a season and feeling like you might be a little bit thin, particularly out again, what I think is the most important position in the NBA right now, which is the wing position. Now, all of that being said, this is all just context for how we want to approach these trades. I know a lot of Lakers fans look at the trade front and they say, get Russell Westbrook off the team. I've seen that sentiment over and over and over again all summer. I've seen they have to add three-point shooting. Those things are to degrees true, right? There's there's some validity to that. But I think the position part of this, the fact that you need more wing players, also has to be factored in to the trade front. So let's talk about the trades that could be out there for just a moment. Trade possibilities with the Jazz. Boyan Bogdanovich, Jordan Clarkson, Malik Beasley, Mike Conley, Jared Vanderbilt. Those are the five players we've heard that could be available, could be on the move. 
I would expect the Jazz would not want to move Jared Vanderbilt if they can avoid it, but maybe if the right deal comes along, they would. Again, that executive mentioned to heavy.com, if the Lakers give up one first and they can get three of those guys, that would be the ideal situation for the Lakers. And I don't disagree. And here's what I like about the Jazz package in particular. Assuming Bojan Bogdanovic is part of that, he's 6'8". There you, there you go. You're good. Now you're settled on the wing. You've got that other player that can play the three or the four. No, he's not a great defender, but you've got competent play at that position. Say Troy Brown Jr. falters. Okay, you're still fine. You've got Bojan Bogdanovic. You're okay in that situation. And that is a benefit to the Jazz trade, assuming Bogdanovich is part of it. Let's say it's Bogdanovich, Beasley, Vanderbilt, right? That would be pretty interesting. Beasley shoots the three pretty well and at a high volume shot, about eight attempts per game last season. So that gives you some three-point shooting in there, kind of mimics what you'd be expecting out of Buddy Heald from that position. You get Bogdanovich, who can score from the wing. If you throw in Vanderbilt, that gives you a big there as well. You'd be eating up both of those open roster spots that you've got, 14 and 15. But if that only costs you one first, yeah, that's it's pretty easy to get on board with a deal like that. Again, I would expect the Jazz, Danny Ainge, they will push to try to get both first-round picks. Again, they couldn't even do a deal yesterday because of the 60-day rule, so we will see if something comes of that. That's one of the benefits, I think, of the Jazz deal. It's that positionally, it's very easy just to slot Bogdanovich right in to your lineup, fills a position of need on the wing. But don't count out the Pacers deal. I actually think the Pacers deal has more upside to it, and I'm starting. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Not all the way there yet. But I'm starting to come around to the thought of maybe you do just give up both first if you need to, if you can get the Pacers deal done. As long as Miles Turner doesn't want something too crazy on his next contract, if he's willing to do $20 million per season, I think I might consider it. Because here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The more I've dug into Miles Turner, the more impressed I've been with his ability to contain on the perimeter. He get for a dude his size, he gets low. He gets out. He closes out on shooters. The guy is in the 95th percentile in terms of on and off the court, according to cleaning the glass, how much he diminishes opponent's shots at the rim when he's on the court compared to when he is off. 95th percentile for his position. So among all centers in the NBA, comparing when they're on the floor to when they're off the floor, Miles Turner ranks in the 95th percentile at deterring shots at the rim. But... This is what really gets me on board with the Miles Turner 
specifically this trade. He's also in the 88th percentile at his position at deterring three-point attempts. Oh my goodness. He's not just protecting the rim. He's also preventing three-point shots with his length and with his ability to be versatile, with his dexterity, the quick feet, his ability to stay in front. Again, you're not going to let him go one-on-one against a point guard or anything like that, but he's not a stiff. He can move his feet and stay in front, and he can get out onto the perimeter and contest. Combine that with Anthony Davis, you see a lot of the things that I really liked in a Christian Wood-Anthony Davis pairing in terms of having two relatively switchy bigs together that both have very versatile skill sets on both ends of the floor. You get a lot of that, maybe even to a greater degree, in Miles Turner. In fact, it's not a stretch to say that the Lakers would probably have the best defensive big duo in the NBA. If you're going to take a gamble on something, Isn't it something where you would be then the best team at it? You would have the best pairing in the entire NBA. That, I think, is something that may be worth gambling on. And that's not even to mention the three-point shooting that Buddy Heald would provide. But Miles Turner, I think, is really intriguing for those reasons. But the challenge, though, the challenge, look, injuries are a big part of it, part of the reason why Lakers fans are a little bit concerned. Let's face it, when you watch Miles Turner play, feel a little bit like I'm watching Anthony Davis where you're kind of holding your breath every time he lands, like he lands on one leg a lot off of a jump and you just, it feels like it's an accident waiting to happen when you're watching him play. So I'm not saying it's without risk. He has suffered a number of injuries. Who knows? Maybe he gets through the season totally healthy, but I get that same sort of sense when I'm watching him play that you're just kind of crossing your fingers and holding your breath every single time anything happens because you're hoping that there is another injury. So it's not without risk. But again, the upside is that's probably the best defensive duo at power forward and center in the entire NBA if you put Anthony Davis and Miles Turner together. Now, part of the other downside to this, though, is let's go back to the positional argument. They need wings. Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, neither one of them are wings. You do still mitigate this situation a little bit because of Miles Turner's on the floor. And let's assume he's going to play 25 to 30 minutes a night. Thomas Bryant. If he is continuing to play well, who knows? Maybe it's Damian Jones steps in and does great. But you would now have three centers that you could turn to and you could commit to Anthony Davis playing essentially zero of his minutes at center. Now, that might not be an ideal situation for the Lakers. We've seen them have a lot of success with Anthony Davis at the center position. So I'm not saying that you 100% want to go down that path, but you could mitigate the lack of winged up somewhat, somewhat by saying Anthony Davis, 33 of your minutes, they're all, all your minutes are at power forward. LeBron, all of your minutes are at small forward. Let's say LeBron and AD both play 35 minutes a night. That just mitigates it even further. And then next thing you know, you've got what? 66 minutes, maybe even 70 minutes of LeBron and AD eating up those wing minutes anyway. And so then you're talking about a lot less that you're asking from Juan Toscano Anderson, from Wenyan Gabriel, from Troy Brown Jr. Again, players that I like a lot, but trying to learn lessons from last season, going into a season, counting on better and minimum guys to eat up the lion's share of the minutes at any particular position, even if it is the majority of the backup minutes, can leave you very exposed to to some very difficult situations if there's an injury or if they don't quite click and things don't work out. So again, the Pacers deal, it helps somewhat by allowing you to slide Anthony Davis more to the power forward spot exclusively. And again, you can make some arguments that you may not want to do that. Anthony Davis has been pretty good at the five, but that would be some of the ways that you could help on the wing there. 
Whereas the Jazz deal, it's much more plug and play. Bojan Bogdanovic, he's going to play all of his minutes at either the three or the four. And you've pretty much solved your wing rotation problem simply by doing that. So again, some of the things that go through my head when I'm looking at both of these trades, it may really well just come down to what costs the lease. Will the Jazz do it for one pick? Will the Pacers do it for one pick? Whichever team is the first to say, okay, we'll do it for one pick. Deal. Done. Also possible the Lakers could roll into the season with the status quo. But if that's the case, I would strongly recommend that they try to go find some kind of a wing, somebody that can at least compete for some minutes at the three or the four, because I do see that as a position of weakness at the moment, just in terms of having competent play across that position for a full 48 minutes a night at both the small forward and the power forward. All right, Lakers Nation, just some thoughts that go through my head when I'm looking at these trades. Let's go ahead and let's get into the question and answer portion of the show. Going to dig into some of the super chats that we got from our last show that I did not quite get to just yet. So Keon Park said, if Daniel Tice has to be added to the trade, he's talking about the Pacers trade, can we do Westbrook and just one pick for Heald and Tice without Turner, less centers for the Lakers, and don't have to, have to give Turner a new contract? Well, if you're looking at Daniel Tice as a guy who could play major minutes for you, even if it's just, I don't know, 20 minutes a night, you could still see some of the effect that I was just talking about in terms of allowing Anthony Davis to play more of his minutes at power forward and therefore helping out with the lack of wing depth. But the thing that I do like about this idea, and I would obviously, obviously prefer to see Turner in it, but the upside to this is you'd get a large trade exception. So you'd be getting Buddy Heald, you'd be getting Daniel Tice, and you'd be walking away with, what, almost a $20 million trade exception, somewhere in that, that range that you could then use to go do something elsewhere. You could take that first-round pick, absorb a big $20 million or so, right in that range off the top of my head, salary, down the line. So it could give you some options during the season as well. So I wouldn't be immediately against doing something like that. But again, I'm really intrigued by the defensive duo that Anthony Davis and uh, and Miles Turner could become. So I would prefer that even with the, the center situation. Daniel Ties, look, I would hope that the Lakers will be able to say, THT is out of the deal. You guys remove Daniel Tice and let's just go ahead and, and work something out here without them. Because let's face it, THT in it, plus having to take on Daniel Tice's contract. It's too much. It's asking too much from uh, from the Pacers' side. So hopefully you could remove Tice, remove THT, off you go. Again, starting to come around on that deal a little bit, the more I look at it. All right, TikTok Exposed said, despite what Sean says, the Pacers' deal makes us a contender. This was, again, replying to something that Sean Davis Spaces had said, uh, and is better than Kyrie. I don't know that it's better than Kyrie. I think Kyrie's upside is higher than the Pacers deal would present. But imagine having LeBron and AD and paying the tax just to lose. Trade those MFing picks. Um, that's the, really the downside with the status quo for the Lakers. You're in the tax. You've got LeBron. You've got Anthony Davis. You've got Russell Westbrook. And you have a team that you feel like probably tops out as what the sixth seed. Most likely you're talking about the play-in tournament. And then who knows what happens there? Do you really want to be in the tax if you're Genie Bus for that? No. Still means the move's got to be the right move, but there's a lot of incentive for the Lakers to try to find something here, something that they can make work. Reginald Thomas said, hey guys, love this panel. The panel that we had that day was uh, myself, Ron Gutterman, Scorpio Sky, and Sean Spaces Davis. 
Can you guys break down why everyone has AR-15 named as a starter? 31% from three, needs a lot of work. Vogel benched him. He played so poorly. I missed his value. So with Austin Reeves, it's the versatility. It's the vision. The 31% from three, it's a belief that that will get better. Part of what happened with Austin Reeves was he hit the proverbial rookie wall. And there's a hope that that's not going to be a problem this season. Uh, Jovan Buha mentioned that Austin Reeves and Thomas Bryant have been doing really well in, in practices. I've heard the same thing about Austin Reeves. I've heard he is absolutely murdering people in practice and that that's something that he's been, been doing so far. Now, again, that doesn't mean that's going to translate to the regular season. That doesn't mean he's a lock for 36 minutes a night and a starting job or, or whatever. But the reason why there's so much optimism about him is we think the three-point percentage is going to come up. That 31% is not truly indicative of what he is as a three-point shooter that he can be if not league average, very, very close to it, which is going to be important on this team. But he's also shown that he works really well with LeBron James, and he's got the versatility to do pretty much anything. You need him to handle the ball, operate out of the pick and roll. He can do that. You need him to play off ball. You need him to make a guy, to be the guy who's the fourth or fifth option and just makes a great read and cuts at the right time. He can do that. You need him to create. He can do that. Defensively, he's going to fight through everything. He's been working on getting stronger. So there's reason to be optimistic that Austin Reeves can play a pretty big role with this team this year. I know you see 31% from three and you think, well, why is that a fit? But again, it's because there's some hope, some legitimate hope, and it's not just uh, blind faith here or anything, but that Austin Reeves is not quite that poor of a three-point shooter that we should see some positive regression to the mean for him. Uh, Muhammad Nassar said, hi guys, big fan. Can you give the breakdown of all the Lakers picks, how we can use them and how many we have in the future after trading 2027, 2029? Breakdown, please. So what would the Lakers still have? So 2023, I'm not going to get into second round picks. 2023, they would have a pick swap. Okay. So that's something or it's nothing. If the Pacers are better than the Pelicans next season, which means their pick will be worse, then this is nothing. The Pelicans would not invoke their right to swap picks. If the Pelicans are better than the Lakers, they will. If the Pelicans wind up with, I don't know, the 20th pick in the draft and the Lakers wind up with the 19th, the Pelicans will swap those picks. They'll take the 19th and the Lakers will get the 20th pick. If the Lakers pick is the first pick and the Pelicans is the 30th pick, obviously they will swap. If it's the inverse where the Lakers pick is say 25 and the Pelicans pick is 20th, the Pelicans aren't going to swap that pick. So a pick swap in 2023, it's something or it's absolutely nothing and it's worthless for the Pelicans. Um, that said, regardless, they have a pick. They have a draft pick in 2023. On draft night, they will be able to trade it. As soon as they select a player, they can trade that pick. 2024 or 2025, the Lakers will have one of those picks. They'll have one of those picks, and it depends on which one the Pelicans take. The Pelicans get to pick, whether they would like the 2024 pick or 2025 pick. And whichever pick the Pelicans don't take, the Lakers get. Everything else from there on out, they have 26, 27, 28, 29. They have all of those picks currently. Obviously, you put both in a trade. You no longer have 27 or 29, but you would still have 26. You would still have 28. The Stepien rule prevents you from trading those picks into the future, though. So the Lakers wouldn't be able to trade a pick until 2031. Here we are in 2022 talking about that. That sounds crazy. They wouldn't be able to trade a pick until then because you can't trade consecutive future picks. Future picks being the key. But again, the loophole is as soon as that's a player and not a pick, you can trade it. So let's say the Pelicans take the Lakers 2024 pick. Well, they can't trade 2025 just yet. Well, actually, they could. 
Anyway, let, let me use a different example there. Let's say that the Lakers are, are in a situation where the Pelicans take the 2025 pick. That works a bit better. Let's say the Pelicans take the 2025 pick. The Lakers trade 2027. They trade 2029. And they want to be able to move 2026. They can't. They can't trade that pick until we're in the 2026 draft and the Lakers make that selection. As soon as they do, and it's a player, they can trade it. They can then turn around and trade it. And they've done this. Um, they've done this a few times recently where they've traded guys on draft night after they actually made the pick. So that's something that comes up fairly often in the NBA. That's what the situation would look like. Uh, Alex F., if the Lakers get Beasley, how will Scotty Pippen feel? Uh, Scotty Pippen or Scotty Pippen Jr.? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to touch that one, but, um, you know, it would be, it would be a dynamic maybe to keep an eye on over on the sidelines. I'm sure all of you out there can do a little research and figure out why he's asking that question. Uh, Richard said, if we trade for Buddy and Miles, will we not have enough cap for Kyrie next year? Correct. Yeah. And, and really the Lakers, even if they don't do that trade, if Kyrie wants a max, they don't have enough for that anyway. They currently have about 30 million in cap space for next year. Kyrie can command about 45, 46 somewhere in there. So the Lakers don't even have enough right now as it stands. But if you trade for Buddy Heald, who's going to make, uh, off the top of my head, it's right around 20 million next season, somewhere in that range, you that's going to eat into your available cap space then. You're definitely not going to have enough. So the Lakers, as they sit, though, don't have enough to pay Kyrie a max. It's just even more of a certainty. Like, would Kyrie take a pretty big pay cut and come to the Lakers for 30 million next summer? Maybe. Would he come to the Lakers for like, the mid-level exception, like 11 million though, that's a pretty much definite no. So yes, if, if you see them do a Buddy Heald, Miles Turner trade, you can pretty much shut down the idea of Kyrie to LA. Look, never say never. Whereas if they have 30 million, maybe they can get a little bit closer and make them think a little bit harder about it. See why not? Said crazy trade request. Would you do two top 10 protected picks for Russ or and Russ and Marcus Morris for Marcus Morris, Kennard, Luke Kennard, and Terrence Mann. Seems those players are expendable. Well, I don't think the Clippers are going to be in the business of making the Lakers any better unless it is an absolute fleecing like we saw with the Ivica Zubats deal. I don't think the Clippers are going to do a deal with the Lakers, period. Uh, if this was on the table, though, top 10 protected, and you can get Marcus Morris has some long-term salary and be a little bit concerned about that, but you'd be getting plenty of wing help here. I like Terrence Mann a lot. Luke Kennard also has long-term salary, but again, you're – Solving your shooting problem, talent-wise, yeah, I'd probably on, be on board to go ahead and do something like this. I think this is something that could certainly help the Lakers, but I don't think the Clippers are going to be looking to help the Lakers anytime soon. Keneal Mason said, the Lakers get Conley, Bogdanovich, Turner. Not a big fan of Conley on the, on the Lakers, but can at least shoot the three. Uh, Indy gets Clarkson, Nunn, and a 2027 first and some seconds. Utah gets Russ, Wenyan, Christie, and a 2029 first. So you're giving up your 2027, 2029, and Max Christie, plus throwing in second round picks. You get Mike Conley, Bogdanovich, and Turner. I don't hate the return. I'd prefer to not be getting Mike Conley back. But uh, again, I understand there's some value in the three-point shooting that he can bring. Bogdanovich and Turner, probably the top two pieces that I think the Lakers could potentially get on the market right now. So I don't hate it from that regard. in that regard. I don't know that the uh, Pacers are in a situation where they want to absorb Jordan Clarkson's future money that's on the books. So that might be like, I think the pay from the Pacers side of things, they would rather get two firsts and trade healed and Turner to the Lakers 
and just get two first than get Clarkson, none, and one first. So that's that's where that, that falls apart a little bit to me. Uh, ben, Indy deals championship caliber. If the 2020 team could compete, then why couldn't a healthy Braun AD plus that team win, not to mention the un unexpected buyout? Yeah, if you could pick up somebody on the buyout market, sure. But I do think there's some validity to this. Miles Turner on the offensive end, though, provides more three-point shooting from the five than we saw with anybody in the on the 2020 team. But defensively, it's a 2020-esque team, right? Miles Turner, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Patrick Beverly in the mix there, too. That's a lot of really solid defenders. Now, you can argue Buddy Heald, obviously, is not a good defender. But if you really needed to stop, you plug in Austin Reeves, that could be a really good team. So, yeah, that's, that's why I'm starting to question whether maybe the Lakers should just do it, whether the Lakers should just do it. I think it would come down to how confident you are with Miles Turner's injuries and what that might look like moving forward, because long-term, he could be a phenomenal fit next to Anthony Davis. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Josh Farah, could we possibly see Cole Swider in a definitive rotation this coming season? I think he could probably uh, be this team's bright spot alongside Austin Reeves. Again, I like Cole Swider a lot. We call him the amazing Swider-Man. Like, he's great. He shot the hell out of the ball in Summer League. But that's Summer League. I'm telling you right now, don't go into the season expecting to see Cole Swider play major minutes. Just don't do it. All it leads to is disappointment. Right. What you want to do is go into the season saying, look, we're going to give this kid time. We're going to give him time to get his legs under him at the NBA level. Because let's face it, he has to come up as exciting as the three point shooting is. He has to come a long way on the defensive end of the floor. He does. He's got a lot of growing to do defensively. So assume that he's not going to get any minutes. Assume he's going to get zero minutes. And then if it happens, if he adjusts, if he adapts to NBA defense very quickly and Part of the way through the season, he's playing minutes and he's actually being productive for the Lakers and everything, then great. Be pleasantly surprised. Celebrate that. But if you go into the season thinking, hey, the Lakers, they've got shooting problems, but Cole Swider, that's the guy. He's going to fix everything. You're probably just going to wind up being disappointed. And I'd rather approach it as far as emotionally, I'd rather approach it from the first perspective there, that he's just not going to get minutes and you can be pleasantly surprised if he does. I think that's most likely what's going to happen anyway, right? Austin Reeves was an outlier in terms of him getting in minutes. It took him being better. It took uh, the Lakers needing him. It took a lot of things to happen for him to get minutes and get the opportunity that he did. That's not normal for an NBA team. So again, I don't want to, I, I like Cole Swider. I just don't want to hype him up too much to where the expectation is he's going to get major minutes. Expect that not to happen. And then if it does, we can be happy. We can be excited. Uh, Andrew Escamilla to finish things off said we should do a Lakers nation season long weekly win prediction where we guess the winner and scores. Haha. <laughs> just a thought. And maybe something that we can do. We did just do our draft for our Lakers nation fantasy football league, our listener league. Uh, we had people who submitted their entries. And so we got that going. I found out I really don't like drafting from the 12th position, especially 
and the rest of the league colludes to not take a quarterback until like round nine after I burn my sixth round pick on Kyler Murray. But water under the bridge, it's all for fun anyway. But uh, maybe we'll do something like that. I am looking at different ways that once the season starts up, we can increase fan engagement. We can increase the fun of this because really this is what this is all about. I mean, Lakers Nation, it's not just about me getting on a microphone here and talking or or Spaces Davis, or Matt the Optimist, or Ron Gutterman, or Scorpio Sky, Chris Masters, any anybody. It's not about any of us just talking Lakers at you guys. This is about community. This is about all of us. Um, I do want to organize some get-togethers during the season as well, some times where we can all meet up. We can do a Lakers Nation watch party, and we can watch games. We're going to be doing some stuff on playback for games during the regular season where we can all join into a room and all watch the game together virtually, too. Um, I know that was a lot of fun. So I do want to increase that engagement during the season. Andrew, that's a, a decent idea as far as getting people even more involved by having some sort of a contest or something like that. But we're brainstorming a lot of stuff right now. And uh, and I'm excited. I can't wait for the regular season to start. I'll admit it. Even as miserable as last season was, I've said it before, say it again, the worst season ever for the Lakers, not record-wise, but in terms of just the emotions of the game, the fan experience. Gosh, that was awful. And yet, here I am. I can't wait for Lakers basketball to come back. I can't wait for even the preseason games. I'm sitting here thinking, I had this thought earlier today. I thought, man, will I not be that excited if like LeBron, AD, both that like they don't play the first couple of preseason games? No, I can't wait to see Troy Brown Jr., to see Lonnie Walker, to see uh, Pat Bev to see all of these guys out there and see what they can do. Juan Toscano Anderson, my goodness, I'm super excited for him. Of course, my guy Damian Jones, Thomas Bryant. I can't wait for Lakers basketball to come back. So I'm excited. I know a lot of you guys are excited too. Just fingers crossed. Hopefully we get a season that's much better than last year. Let's wrap things up there though. Lakers Nation, again, appreciate you all so much for joining us here. Make sure that you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. And again, do us a favor, Go over to Apple Podcasts. Even if you tend to watch the show on YouTube, go over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe there. Helps us out with our rankings and everything. And then again, give us that five-star rating and review. Really appreciate it. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.